Well, praise God. Man, I'm glad y'all are here. Y'all glad to be here? Well, get your Bibles out. And if you would go into the Old Testament to the book of Numbers, chapter 23. <clears throat> now, praise God. I'm starting a new message this morning. I don't know if we're going I don't know if we're going to even get close to getting through with it. What's going to happen? I just know I'm fired up. May not seem like it, but I am. And so, you know, I just want to, I just, you know, you know, literally, literally for 29 years I've been, I've been preaching and pastoring here. I've been preaching longer than that, but 29 years into that. And, and every time I deliver a message to you, I feel like it's the greatest message I've ever preached. I feel like, oh my God, if they can just get this one. And I've been like that forever. So, you know, thousands of messages I preach, I always feel like, oh God, if they can just get this one, they'll make it. And so this morning, if you can just get this one, you will make it. You know, I, it's just one of those kind of messages. It's called shout. Shout, just simply shout. You know, there's a lot of things going on in the world today, folks. Uh, uh, some serious, serious, serious things taking place. Um, besides craziness, besides, you know, the crazy things. But there's serious things taking place. Right now, this morning, you know, it's been for weeks now. The Russians are building up all on the Ukraine. I told you I have a lot of heart for the Ukraine because I've been there. I've preached. I've seen thousands of people give their lives to Jesus. We've helped build churches over there. We have printing presses. We have two smuggled printing presses in there that have been printing tracks in there since the 1990s in that country. I don't know how much has taken place. I don't know what all, you know, until we get to heaven, will we see all that's taken and transcribed from that. But anyway, uh, you know, we're, they're estimating, they're making estimates and, you know, you can't trust the news, but I've really done a lot of research and a lot of other news facilities. You know, they're talking about 5 million people could be killed or injured and disowned through this, through other issues that would come from it. Uh, I mean, that's horrible, right? I don't care who you are. Five million, that's a lot of people just to uh, be wiped out because one madman wants to take over your country. Uh, the, some of the things you need to understand, the Ukrainians, the Ukrainian people are kind of like Texans. They're like the, the Eastern Bloc of Texans. They've always wanted to have a strong national pride in their country. They've always been defiant to the Russians. They always were are wanting their own independent country. They've been independent since 1991 uh, when, the, when the, you know, the Soviet wall came down and the empire fell and whatever. And so there are people that are proud and they're going to fight. I'm telling you, they're going to fight. They're not going to lay down. I mean, they, if they had to throw potatoes, they're going to throw potatoes. And they do not like the Russians. They do not want to be. They want their own country. They speak Ukrainian. They don't speak Russian. They can speak Russian just like a lot of us can speak Spanish. Okay? And so don't, get, don't let the world sway you one way or the other. This is a country flat out right by a bully coming to take it over. That's all it is. All right? It's all about money. It's always about money. It's about gas pipelines. It's about control. It's always money and power, control. That's what the Bible tells us, right? Well, I've just gotten such liberty in the last couple of months in, uh, you know, these last couple of years just been nuts and everything in the world. And you've got far right and you've got far left. And I always want to try to stay in the, the middle. And it's a difficult thing to do to not get pulled into, you know, every 
conspiracy theory, every this, every that, or the other, okay? But um, it's kind of hard not to stop and just see what's going on around us. It's kind of hard to just not stop and say, hey, you know, the world is... I mean, even, I mean, even we had the, 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 the... Forget about the pandemic of, of uh, 2000, or 2020, excuse me. The pandemic... Forget about, how about the pandemic of the toilet paper shortage? Hello? I mean, when would anybody wake up one morning and say, man, I just feel like Spirit of God told me we need to go get toilet paper because they're going to be run on toilet paper. I mean, you don't think about things like that. And it's been one thing. So there's real things that are happening. There's real issues that we're having to deal with. Most of all, if you have business and stuff, getting parts, getting shipping, getting things in, you know, people, their trucks are breaking down and taking four to six months to try to get parts for them. And that's unheard of. That sounds to me like, Living in Cuba, we used to have 1950 vehicles. Hello? Not America where you get to choose the color and what it looks like. Hello? Now it's down to you just got to get whatever. And so obviously it's, it, anybody that has any, any eyes to see can just look around and say our world is not a better place today. I'm talking about America. America is not a better place. We're, we're, in, we're, in, we're, we're, we're weak. Our military is the weakest it's been since 1945. Wow. Okay? Our government's weak. If you don't believe that, well, then, you know, the president sent the vice president to the Ukraine to work on the border crisis. Did y'all feel confident, lifted up, built up, strong, ready to go that, oh, my gosh, I mean, you know, she did such a good job down here. I'm going to take care of that whole Putin situation. I mean, come on, folks. Do they think we're complete idiots? All right? Okay? But, listen to me. We got, we got shipping lines broke. We've got trucking lines broke. We've got all these issues going on. But I want to tell you something. We've got a great God. We have a great big God. And it's time for Christians to wake up and realize that. It's time for Christianity not to just be some little church we go to, some little church service that we, you know, to check off on our list that week. We went to church because we're worshiping the one who we know is in charge and in control. It's time for miracles, folks. It's time for signs and wonders. Do you know also, you may not know this, you may know this, that right now today, there is more Christians being persecuted than any time on the face of the earth since Jesus was resurrected. Do you know that? See, we don't feel that. Only persecution we get is if you run across some uh, liberal who doesn't like you because you believe the Bible. Hello? That's all the persecution we get. And, 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 and you know, I'll be honest with you. Here in the American church, we've grown apathetic and, and fat-eared and sluggish. And, and uh, you know, we don't know what persecution is. But there's people all over the world dying because they refuse to, to not declare that they're a Christian. And it's greater today than it's ever been in the face of the earth. All right? But we serve a big God. Now, this is Super Bowl Sunday, right? I'll be honest with you. I quit watching Super Bowl. I quit watching football back in about 82. And so I don't know what's going on. I had to ask somebody who was even playing and was there anything special about it or whatever because I just don't watch it. And so anyway, that does not, has nothing to do. It's just my preference. I don't like it. You can just love it. It's okay with me. But, you know, in, in the Super Bowl, do you know that today 
uh, in Super Bowl is the most highly human trafficked day in the United States. Basically, there's a whole bunch of perverts at the Super Bowl. Okay? So I'm just saying, our world's sick and twisted. And we need to rise up as Christians. But you're not going to rise up as a Christian unless you have a shot of the king in your camp. I just want you to know that. You're not going to do it. I went to church, and I, this is what we have to change. And y'all are pretty good. I mean, y'all, as far as going as a church, y'all could be considered radical. But, you know, we're really not. We're, we're better than cream puffs, but we're not really radical. Um, <laughs> Pastor, call me a cream puff. <laughs> but the, the, the church, and I'm not talking about, you know, necessarily y'all, I'm talking about the whole church in the world. Man, we, I mean, my goodness, folks. The church of the Lord Jesus Christ that resurrected from the dead that came up, man, blew off the stone, stepped out, went to heaven, poured his blood out from We got people arguing whether the, that, that should know better whether the Bible's right or not. We got people arguing things. And I'm just going to say it, just whatever, okay? Y'all get mad at me, write me a letter. We got, we got people arguing where men should be wearing dresses. And, I, I, you know, men using the women's restroom. I mean, I'm just saying there's just things that I can't believe that the American church is arguing over. I'm like, oh, my gosh, read your Bible. But see, they don't believe that God's got any power, and they don't believe God's real because it's a club. It's a club. It's not a living reality that we've come to that the Jesus is on the inside of us and that the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords is the one who we worship and serve and that he's real. Okay? In Numbers 23, there's a story here, and I'm just going to have to tell you. I mean, it, it depends on if y'all want me to drag this thing out over three or four weeks, I'll read it. But if you want me just to get, try to get through today, well, then, you know, bless God, I can just tell you the story and you can go read it. But starts in Numbers 23. It's a story of, of, of Balaam. And he's this, he's this, you know, he's this goofy guy. He's, he's not really a, a prophet of God. He's like a prophet of whatever he needs to be. He's like a soothsayer, like a witch doctor, a magician, uh, working in sorcery and stuff. But he knows God. And he said, hey, God works too. And I, you know, do you want me to use God or do you want me to use you know, this chant. And so the king of that area, his name is Balak. And Balak, he, the children of Israel just passing through the land. They're coming, they're going to the promised land. And so there's millions of them. They're coming to the land. He looks out and says, man, that's going to be a problem. Problem's going to be is that if they get, you know, if they get riled up, they're going to win. They're going to beat us and they're going to take what's ours. And so there are too many to go fight. I don't really want to go in a war and fight them. And so, you know, we need to figure out how we can do it. And somebody, I don't know how it works out, but somebody told him or he knew or whatever. He says, hey, go get Balaam the prophet and get Balaam and bring him over here and he'll curse them. And if he curses them, they'll be cursed. They won't prosper. They won't be able to make anything. Now, isn't it interesting that this worldly king has an understanding of spiritual matters? Doesn't that kind of strike you odd? I mean, I haven't heard anybody or seen in the news. Of course, I'm surprised somebody hadn't come up with it. You know, like, let's just curse Israel or, or curse Russia or curse Iran or curse, you know. They're cussing, but this is cursing. Two different things, okay? So anyway, he brings him in. Now, 
the, I don't even want to get in. I don't even want to touch the story about riding the donkey because I'll start preaching something else there. But you know, the story goes and, and he doesn't, he had no obedient. And then God finally gets in. Then the angel of the Lord is going to cut his head off and he's riding his donkey and his donkey. The craziest thing about that story that I always have just, you just got to go read it, look at it. When the donkey starts talking to him, he just talks back to the donkey like it's a normal thing. Not like my donkey is talking and just all of a sudden, you know, I'm going to join the circus and I'm going to make money off of this thing. I have a talking donkey, you know. Now he argues with the donkey. He said, I'm going to kill you. I mean, that's how out of his head he was. All right. So anyway, so then he goes and he goes up to the mountains and he tells uh, Balak that, you know, I, I do a certain things and I'm going to go stand up there. I'm going to look over the plain and I'm going to curse Israel. But I can only do and, and say out of my mouth what God says that I should do. Okay. So he goes. And he begins to prophesy good things over Israel because he can't prophesy a curse and something God's already blessed. Okay, so in 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 23, verse 21, Numbers 23, 21. And this is the point I want to get so I can go on. He said he has observed iniquity in, in Jacob, nor has he seen wickedness in Israel. The Lord his God is with him, and the shout of a king is among them. The shout of a king is among them. So he's listening to me. He's listening, he's listening to what's going on. There's a shout. Let me ask you today, do you have a shout of a king in your camp? Today's Super Bowl Sunday. There's going to be people going crazy. There's going to be people going nuts. There's going to be people yelling and shouting and run, run, run. Ah! Oh, he didn't do right. That's a bad call. I mean, there are going to be all kinds of stuff going on today, shouting. But see, I was like you. I was raised in church, and I was always told to be quiet. So I spent my whole life getting poked in the ribs by my mother, pinched on the leg, pinched on the arm. You know, somewhere in the middle of the service, my mother had to make me and my sister separate and sit between us and all these things going on, you know? And so you develop this. What would be the word? You develop this culture of, you know, it's like quiet reverence. Oh, don't say anything. Just, you know, oh, you know. And, and there is a part of worship that's, that's valid, all right? But there's also a part right here that when people get to hearing your verbiage, they know there's a shout of the king in your camp. Not just a woohoo, but I mean a shout of the king in your camp. The word shout there, it means an alarm of war, a battle cry, a blast, a shout of joy, or an alarm. Okay? So in other words, it could be the shout of a king, could be the, the trumpet blasting that, hey! Hello? But I want to tell you something. There you go. I want to tell you something, but what about what's in your camp? What's in your camp today? I'm talking to everybody out there, talking to everybody here. What's in your camp? If someone was listening in a fly on the wall in your house, what's in your camp? Are you saying, woe is me? We're not going to make it. Oh, my goodness. And then you, you come to church and sing the praises of God. But at home, there's no shout of the king in your camp. What's the shout in your camp? Hey, but listen to this. <laughs> listen to this. 
that please don't look down because I know I nailed you right between the eyes. Hey, we shout at our kids. We shout at the game. Hey, we shout at the dog. But do we have a shout of a king in our camp? Ain't nobody thinking anything about shouting at the dog. Shouting at the kids. Scream and fight. Shout at each other. Shout at the TV. But we're supposed to have as Christians the shout of a king in our camp because we so know that God is on our side, that God's got us. That it don't make any difference what the Russians do. It don't make any difference what's taking place. It don't make any difference if this is leading up to the Battle of Armageddon. It don't make no difference because no matter what goes on, no matter if all supply lines fail, no matter if gas prices go to $10 a gallon, no matter if you can't buy milk or a milk cow, the shout of a king can still be in your camp. The shout of, I, I remember one time I was in Mexico. I just marveled. I, I, we, were, we stopped in this village. We went into this lady's house and she wanted, she just, it was her greatest honor. She wanted to feed us. And so I was just like, oh God, you know, I'm going to have to do some heavy duty praying here. And she went into the kitchen and there was chickens everywhere. And she shooed the chickens off the table. <laughs> chickens. Went flying out of this dirt floor and she brushed it all off and she got a, a brush that had, it was, it was a wheat straw that she had just picked and cut and trimmed and tied around. And that's what she used to scrub everything down with. And she, she put lye. I mean, I, I got over there and looked at it. It was lye on the pan. She was getting ready to cook in and wash that thing all up with this lye and then wiped it off, you know cleansed it. And I said, God, the lie kill us. That's <laughs> what I was thinking. Oh my God. And she went to making tortillas and patting the little tortillas out and making the tortillas and everything. And it was just the greatest joy. This lady had so much joy. It was unbelievable how much joy this lady had. So I began to ask her testimony. She was telling me, oh, my life was so bad. I had nothing. And I'm looking around thinking, you still got nothing. Oh, I had nothing, and then I met Jesus, and he came into my life, and I've been so happy, and, and, and every morning I wake up, and I praise God for all he's done for me, and I tell everybody in the town, and I go to the bus stop, and I witness the people out there and tell them how great Jesus is, and I'm thinking, man, this lady, you know, she really got saved. Hello? Joy is not, joy is not, uh, you know, uh, only comes about when everything in your life's perfect. Joy comes about because you know you're going to win anyway. Amen. Jesus didn't promise us we're a life that we're going to live here on earth, that everything's going to be perfect. As a matter of fact, he said in John 16, 33, in this world, you're going to have tribulations, you're going to have problems, you're going to have obstacles, you're going to have things. But be of good cheer. Have a shout of the king in your camp that you can stand up and say, whoo, praise God, we're going to get through this. Amen. What kind of a miracle are you going to do today, Lord? I need a Red Sea parted or I need to walk on some water or whatever, God, but you're going to make it happen because you're so good you love me. Okay. Okay. Now, here we go. Again, you go read the story. I'll take time to go over there. If you went to 1 Samuel 17, 11, you look at the story of David and Goliath. All right? You go look at the story of David and Goliath. Verse 11 says, that, you know, that every day Goliath would come out and he would tell the army of Israel, just send somebody out. You know, he's great, big and huge. And, and you know, y'all can imagine what, you know, the, the Philistines are feeling pretty confident. They got this giant. 
right? They're feeling confident. We can, we can, we, we can whip them, but just send somebody on out. So they're all probably beating their swords and, and making noise and, you know, clanking their, their swords on their shields and doing all what, whatever, making noise, making a shout, because Goliath goes at the boom, 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 boom. And he says to the word, y'all, come on, I'll take on anybody. That's paraphrased in there, but you know. And it says in verse 11, 1 Samuel 17, 11, it says, When Saul and all Israel heard the words of the Philistines, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. So the words Goliath was speaking, the shout that he had was terrorizing Israel. Until one day a little shepherd boy came by named David. And it says over in verse 23, it says, Then as he talked with him, there was the champion, Philistine, uh, uh, of Gath, Goliath by name, coming forth from the armies of the Philistines. He spoke according to the same words. So David heard them. So he's done the same thing. He made a shout. The enemy made a shout. Everybody say the enemy made a shout. <laughs> hey, has the enemy ever shouted at you? Huh? Has the enemy ever shouted at you? Tell you you're not going to make it. You're not. It's everything's looking terrible. You're not going to be able to overcome. You're not. Woo! Has he ever shouted at you? Told you the lie. Sold you a lie. Mm-hmm. All of us. And it says, when all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, they fled from him and were dreadfully afraid. So the men of Israel said, have you seen this man who has come up? Surely he has come up today to defy Israel. And it shall be that the man who kills him, the king will enrich him with great riches. He will give him his daughter and he will give his father's house and exempt him from taxes in Israel. Then David spoke to the men and he stood by him and he says, what shall be done for the man who kills the Philistine and takes away the reproach of Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Oh, man, look at how David's thinking completely different here. David's thinking in covenant talk. He's thinking in covenant talk. The shout of the enemy didn't affect him because David took the higher road and he's thinking covenant talk. God is my God. He said he'd save me. If he said he'd save me, he'll save me. I killed a lion. I killed a bear. I mean, if God delivered me of the lion and the bear. Well, who's that uncircumcised Philistine who does not have a covenant with a living God? But we got churches today all over the place running around that don't even understand covenant, don't even understand that they have a covenant with God. They're just out there trying to do a good show, do a dog and pony show, make the best dog and pony show they possibly can. Why? To draw people. Why do they want to draw people? Because they get money. It goes back to money. Folks, listen to me. It's always about money. I want to tell you all something. Like this morning, you know, we could, we, could, we could fit some more people in here. Last Sunday morning, we were pretty full. We were just right there. There's more people. If everybody that watched online this morning was here at church, we'd be, we'd be out of space. So I want to tell you something. We're going to build a new sanctuary out there. Seat 600. Okay. But I want to tell you something. I want, it's going, what's going to be different about it? It is going to be a testimony to the glory of God. People are going to come and they're going to see it and they're going to say, oh, my. Only God could have done something like this. God's going to get the glory. Amen. And people are going to be saved. And people are going to come from all around. People are going to be set free in the Freedom Center. It's going to happen. It's going to be beautiful. It's going to be, it's going to be, it's going to be so beautiful, people are going to be, you know, they're going to want to pay to come see. But I want to tell you why, because God gets the glory, because God is an amazing God. God will do anything you will believe him for. 
if you understand covenant and you understand that you are in covenant with God, well, folks, listen to me. Then all of a sudden, everything, everything changes. I'm not saying you're not going to have tribulation. I'm just going to say through every tribulation, you're going to be delivered. You say, well, why? I don't like tribulation. Well, I mean, I know things are not real good here, but how would you like to uh, be in the Ukraine right now? The Sudan. Ethiopia on the wrong side. We Americans, I want to tell you all something, me included. We have gotten very complacent. And it's all about not wanting to lose comfort. It's next week we start a pastor's conference in Mexico uh, with Sister Annie. She's got it going down there, Hermanos de Pacto. And they'll be down there in the state of uh, uh, Oaxaca. And Pastor Marcos will be leading this. He's a man that's been trained up under Sister Annie. He's a, he's a great man. He's a great evangelist and, and, and apostle. And our, the services, the, the, the people coming usually around 150, 200. This year it's over 600 pastors and leaders have signed up to come. Churches are, it's exploding. Churches are wanting to be a part and they're all coming, okay? Now, you know, Oaxaca's down there on the Pacific side, down there in, you know, the jungle, all right? It's real close to where we got out the millennials with blowguns, okay? And so um, this is what they're doing. We purchased it. We helped them, sent money. They wanted to know if they could get some help to repair their kitchen. And we said, what's wrong with the kitchen? Well, it's just got a dirt floor and some of the pipes are leaking, so we're basically cooking for everybody in the mud. So we said, well, pour concrete, fix the pipes. Well, all the people coming, you know, there's no hotels down here, and so they all are coming, and they just want to sleep in the church. So we bought 600 mats to roll out. Now, how many of y'all, come on now, come on now, don't look down at the ground. How many of y'all be willing to go to a pastor's conference, sleep on the floor, eat whatever they had for you there? Oh, you didn't get to change your dress two or three times a day. You didn't get to fix your hair. You didn't probably even get to brush your teeth. And you're going to go there just because you're so hungry for God that you have got to be there to hear the man of God speak. I'll go. I'll go. So, Here's the thing. Here's the thing. My point is, is that the, the church, the American church has gotten away. We've got no shout. We don't believe God. We don't believe God's going to do anything. We don't believe God's going to do anything. All right? And we got to look at ourselves. I can't, I can't deal with all of them except preach and hope that they get the message, but I can deal with us. We got to get to where we're the most radical Christians who got a shout in our camp that you know, that you know, that you know, that whatever situation, tribulation comes your way, you're going to be able to stand up. Hallelujah. And you're going to be able to say, no, that's the shout of king in my camp. The Lord's with me. It ain't going to make any difference what's going on. My future is secure. My future is secure in him. And you know it that you know it. Not that you just know what the scripture says. Okay, but it's inside of you. It has to come from the depths of your heart. Yes, Lord. David wouldn't, David wouldn't look at Goliath and say, mm, let me see. That's a big old boy, but you know, I did kill the lion and the bear. And man, I'd sure like to be rich. And I'd sure like to get the king's daughter. And I'd sure like to change my status in life. And oh, see, where's that scripture that says, God will help me. And if I, be, if I do this, then I'll be better off. It was from his heart. He said, what are you talking about, guys? Don't you all understand covenant? 
It was this naive, naive uh, love of God that he had that he wasn't, he wasn't influenced by what everybody else was saying. Why did everybody else run? Because they didn't know about who God was in a real sense. Why are Christians fleeing? Why are Christians running around trying to figure out if men should have dresses on? Because they don't have any real conviction in their heart. They don't know. They don't really believe what the word says. It needs to be opened up to private interpretation to try to figure it out. Can I have an amen? Amen. Now, here we go. I'm going to give you five things possibly today. Let me see. Probably not, but I'm going to shoot for five. Five things today that will, will get you a shout in your camp. Okay, so now turn to Deuteronomy chapter 5. <clears throat> now, this is, you just got to give me this one because, like, like I said, I never read the Bible until I got saved. All right, and I started reading the Bible, and I started just going through it and reading it. And uh, even though I grew up in an era in school where the Ten Commandments hung on the wall, and I could have probably gotten, I don't know, maybe seven. You know, somebody had come up to me and said, can you give me what the Ten Commandments are? Even without, before I knew Jesus, I maybe could have got seven, is what I'm saying. Just because you saw it, it was familiar. But the first time I read the Bible, and I came across the actual Ten Commandments in the Bible, where they were written in the Bible, you find them in two places. You can find them in Genesis 20 or Deuteronomy 5. And they were written out. I, I, I was excited, right? And so I started numbering them as I read them. One, two. When I got to the end, I had 11. And so I said, how did I get 11 commandments? There's always 10 commandments. How did I come up with 11? I reread it, and again, I got 11. And I was like, did somebody mess something up? Did, I, did they miscount? Or how am I miscounting here? And I'd go through it, and then I'd go get the real, you know, the 10 commandments, and I'd look at them, and I'd say, which one am I missing? I mean, which one did I add? Or how did I add a commandment? Well, I'll show you. So here it is in Deuteronomy chapter 5. I just want to read it out of Deuteronomy. You could go to it's exactly the same uh, in Exodus 20, but it says, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image in the likeness of anything that is in heaven above or in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them nor serve them. For I am the Lord your God, I am a jealous God, visiting the iniquities of your father upon the children of the third and the fourth generation for those who hate me. Now, just stop right there for a second. I'll show you where I got my other one. I got my other one right here because when I read this, it says, you should not make for yourself carved image or any likeness of that thing in heaven and above or on the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth you shall, uh, uh, under the earth. There's a semicolon, right? And then it says, you shall not bow down to them nor serve them. I always took the not bowing down as another commandment. Now, I can understand how it fits in with don't make a carved image. But to me, it was, it was like God was doing something in my heart that it leapt off the page to me, don't bow down. And as years have gone by, I've realized how much we bow down to fear, to control, to oppression, to depression, to flesh. The lust of money, we bow down to it, folks. 
You may not have whittled you out an image. You may not have worshipped a rock. But if you've ever let fear overcome you, and you stayed in fear, you're bowing your knee to fear. It has become a God to you. It seems more powerful than our God does. And the reason why is because we don't have a living relationship with the living God who, who is everything. Is, it's, he's, our, he's our life. Are y'all hearing me this morning? And that, that when a problem comes up, it wants us to bow to it. Man, we got quiet all of a sudden. The first step to developing a shout of a king in your camp is the determination that you will not bow your knee. And I want y'all to know, this redneck cowboy is just hard-headed enough that I ain't bowing my knee no matter what. I'm not going to bow my knee. Listen to me. I'm not going to ever shut this church I'm not ever going to stop preaching the gospel. I'm not ever going to start to stop declaring that the word of God is true. I don't care what they say and what they do. I know it's true. I know it's true. You can't stop it. It's a part of my life. And I will not bow my knee to none other than Jesus Christ. I will not take a knee except to Jesus. If you want to shout in your camp, you better get that away. If you're not that away, you better get that away. Because if you can be talked out of what you believe is true, well, then you're bowing your knee to it. So I have 11 commandments in my commandment categories. Because that I add that to, that bowing your knee is like a commandment. God's saying, don't bow your knee. Psalms 95, 6. It says, oh, come. And let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord God, our maker. It's him that we bow before. It's only him that we put our knee to, saying, God, you're it. You're it, God. You, oh God, there's none but you. You're going to take me through it. You're going to deliver me. You're going to set me free. Mm -mm -mm. What do you want me to do, Lord? How am I going to move today? What am I going to say today? Where am I going to go today? God, you're, gonna, you're with me and everything. Every situation. Folks, it's got to be a reality. It's down inside of our heart. And then there becomes a shout of the king in your camp because he's real. Hello? Look at the person beside you and say, that's good. Ephesians 3.8 says, To me who am less than the least of all the saints, this grace was given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. And to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God, who created all things through Jesus Christ, to the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church to the principalities and the powers in heavenly places, according to the eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through faith in him. Therefore, I ask that you do not lose heart at my tribulation for you, which is your glory. For this reason, I bow my knee to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he may grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might 
through his spirit in the inner man. Folks, listen to me. When you finally make the decision, you're not bowing your knee. When you finally make the decision that you're only going to do what Jesus said. When you finally make the decision that you believe with all of your heart that the Bible is true and you're not going to be swayed one way or the other and you know what it says so you can't be swayed one, or the, one way or the other. The might and the strength of God comes on the inside of you to live in this earth. But the moment the devil knows that you have a weakness, that you might bow your knee, he's going to hammer you and pester you all the time. Let me give you a good example. My daughter over there, she had a Pyrenees young dog when she left and I got to inherit the dog. I didn't like the dog, never did care for the dog most unfriendliest thing in the world. Dog didn't like me, love my wife. So this dog has lived its life out and the dog went to doggy heaven here several months ago. Now, this dog, like I said, was the most unrelational dog I've ever seen in my life. The dog didn't care if you petted it. The dog did, had no, no care at all. It was just a, 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 a Pyrenees. But every night, this dog would sleep on our porch all day long and at night would get up and begin this stretching maneuver. And she'd stretch and she'd work, she'd work out. She'd get up, she'd go get her some water and everything, and then that dog would bark all night long. That dog would bark from one end of the property to the other, bark and bark and bark and bark. At times, I would wake up at night, and the dog, you know, I'd hear the barking in my ears, and uh, I would start dreaming there were French people speaking outside, because I hear, <laughs> and I think there's a bunch of Frenchmen out in the yard, and then, you know, it was the dog. And this dog, like I said, she's just old, and she, she passed away, and I kind of said, good, thank God, I can sleep now, dog's not barking. So this dog in the last few years of her life couldn't go and roam all out where she did. So she stayed closer to the house, like in the front yard barking, because she couldn't get out. Her hips got bad and everything got bad. So anyway, now the dog's gone. I've been rejoicing. Sleep at night. No big white hair. It looked like it's snow everywhere, you know. And you know what happened? Huh. Started noticing coyotes coming up by the house. Started noticing drop-ins here and then drop-ins over there and then surrounding my house. And then now they're yipping. And now they're in my front yard. So what the dog was doing that I was really irritated with, like prayed a million prayers. God, can you just strike that dog mute? What she was doing was being effective. Her barking out there was being effective. Oh, you, you reckon it works like that in the spiritual realm with you? You reckon when the devil get, wakes up and he's looking to see he's going to torment and he looks over there towards your house but there's a shot of the king in the camp saying, ah, let's go over here. Looks like it's an easier victim over here. Why are the coyotes coming around my house? Because there's nothing to stop them. Because I can't stay up past about 10 o'clock, and unless they want to come up at 10 o'clock, I'm going to be in bed. Are you hearing me? 
But what about your camp? Do you have the Holy Ghost bark going off in your camp? The Holy Ghost shout going off in your camp? The alarm of God going off in your camp so that the enemy says, hey, they don't sense messing with them. Oh, man, this, <laughs> let's just, come on, don't send me to their sector. Because they know if they come over to your house, they're going to get thrashed good. Or they know that they come over there and say, let's go over there and just pick him a little bit and poke him a little bit. And he'll bow his knee. He'll give in. He'll cave in. It'll, you know, they'll cave in and then we can have a wing get something started over there. What's going on in your camp? Philippians 2.10 says that the name of Jesus, that at the name of Jesus, every knee is going to bow. Listen, every knee is going to bow to Jesus, whether they want to or not in the end. But I just soon bow my knee now. So that I could get the benefits and privileges that go along with a bowed knee to Jesus. Are y'all hearing me? Yes. Folks, you got to get a shout of the king in your camp. When you do, the devil will not be lurking around. I'm not going to say you're not going to have any troubles or problems. I'm just going to say it changes the spiritual dynamic in your house that every time, every time the enemy comes over, you've got the whoop, whoop, whoop going on. That there is a shout. The praise coming up from your house. And so many times, listen to me, and this is going to freak you out. Some of you. But so many times we're, 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 we're whispering our prayers. So many times we're just praying in our head. So many times we're doing, you know, just our silent lay me down to sleep prayers. We're just doing these things in our head. But if you get vocal and you get loud and you get to walking around your house, with the shout of the praise of God in your mouth, it changes the spiritual environment of your house. The coyotes got to leave. But we're like, well, we're, we're reserved Christians. And I'm telling y'all, if I wasn't the pastor of this church or a pastor and I was going to some new town, I would immediately go in and seek the wildest churches I could possibly find. I don't want dead religion. You know, I don't, want, I don't want nothing dead. And I don't even think we're wild. And I've had other people say, oh, my God, I was scared to death when I was at the church. But I don't even think we're wild. I mean, I can get wilder. I got to make sure and take all my vitamins so that I, get, I have enough energy. But I can get wilder. Yeah, my wildness is directly in proportion of how much vitamins I have on the inside of me, how much B12 I shot up that morning, you know? <laughs> That's terrible to say, but it's the truth. Y'all with me? But I'm talking about your house needs to be this place of a shout that God is with you. There's nothing wrong with it, but now, have you ever, does everybody in here know what intimidation is? Have you felt intimidated before? I mean, have we all, we all agree that we've been intimidated before? Where there's something on the side, you want to say something, but you just don't want to say it. And then he wants, if you feel that in your house about just walking around and, and shouting and praising God, well, you need to break it. And the only way to break it is to do it. And you say, well, I don't know. I don't want to really be that kind of a Christian. Okay. Okay. Fine. It's fine. But don't come whining to me. When the coyotes are in your yard, don't come whining to me when they start coming up eating the cat food. And you, you're out petting a coyote because you think it's the pet. 
It's, the, it's what we have to do, church. Like I said, we'll shout at the kids, we'll shout at the dog, we'll shout at the husband, shout at the wife, we'll shout at, at, at the football game today. But will we shout for our God? Will we shout for Jesus? Will we have a shout of the king in our camp? If you are intimidated to shout in your own home, then you need to break it. You simply just need to break it. Now, this next one, I'll I, I, I just touch on it because I, I got a, just a minute. But listen to me. The second thing, the second thing about having a shout of the king in your camp is simply this. Are you going to live a life that brings glory to God? And what I mean by this, are you going to live a life that's under the blood of Jesus? Folks, listen to me. None of us are right. None of us do everything right. Listen to me. You may shout at the wrong time. When God's trying to be quiet, I'm trying to speak to you, and you may have a shout going on. We do not do everything right. We do not. It's just, we're, we're human beings. We're made out of dirt, and we're going to make mistakes. Hello? You're going to. There's no sense lying to yourself today. I'm going to be the perfect Christian. You're not. You're going to get tired. You're going to get squeaky. And then somebody's going to say something. You're going to snap. You're going to act ugly. And then you're going to feel bad about it. Then you're going to repent. Then you're going to start over. But I'm just saying you're not going to do everything perfect. This is the way it happens. We're made out of dirt. We're not going to be perfect till we get to Jesus. But let me tell you something that is perfect. The blood of Jesus. Amen. Hebrews 12, 24. It says, to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than that of Abel. Blood speaks. The blood of Jesus speaks over your life. As David understood covenant, you have to understand that the blood of Jesus that you appropriated to your life when you confessed him with your mouth and believed in him in your heart and said, Jesus, I want you to come into my life. The moment you did that, the blood of Jesus came over your life and that blood speaks that you are righteous, that you're holy, and that you're unblameable. And if you got any coyote devils running around trying to tell you different, then I want to tell you something, the shout moves them out. I'm not perfect by any means. You can ask my wife. I'm not perfect by any means. Don't ever put me up on a pedestal and say, oh, if I could just be perfect like Pastor Arthur. You better shoot higher than that. <laughs> I got some things that still go, oh, Lord, still scraping off of me and working out of me. But I want you to understand, I understand that my position, my position, not as a pastor. Oh, forget about being a pastor. I don't cut no slack with Jesus. I've tried it. You don't get no slack. There ain't no slack on that. It's just more responsibility. You get no slack. But my position, I know, is in the blood of Jesus. And when I talk to my heavenly father, because of the blood speaking over my life and saying he is the son of God, that he is born again, that he is washed in the blood of Jesus, when I speak into heaven, I know my prayers are heard. I know God is for me. I know that if God says, if he's for me, ain't nobody going to be against me. I know it's true. I know God is working on my behalf. I know Jesus is, is praying for me and being an intercessor for me. I know, not because I'm so good, but because I understand my covenant in the blood of Jesus. And that puts a shout in the camp that God took this simple-minded country boy and saved me out of the mess I was in and loved me enough that he gave his son for me that I could have eternal life and, and, and I'm saved and born again. Glory to God. Hallelujah. And I just can't say thank you enough. I know I'm headed to heaven. I know I want to bust the gates wide open. I am so happy. I'm so excited. 
There's a shout in my camp because I can always look at the devil and say, look, I know, you know, I may have, you may be causing some problems over here. <laughs> so what? You're going to burn in hell, bud. The blood speaks. In Genesis 4.10, when, when uh, Cain kills Abel, he says, your, the voice of your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Blood speaks. So if I got the blood of Jesus over my life, man. So I'm here today to tell you, I'm stopping at that one. I'm here today to tell you that, listen, I don't know what the Russians are going to do. We could be in World War III by Wednesday. And I'm just telling you, in the natural, it doesn't look good for the U.S. But I'm not worried. I'm not going to be worried. I'm not going to sit around and chew my fingernails off and say, oh, what am I going to do? <laughs> See, I tell you, I'm not right. I tell you, don't teach me. I, I just ordered some, some more shells right in the, the chair just a while ago before church started. That's what I did. I was a little short on a, you know, some, and there was a deal, and I hadn't invested in any in gold, but I got lots of lead. Because <laughs> I figure y'all going to show up at my house if it all goes down. Pastor, you got an extra box of shells. And I'm not going to be as gracious as Jesus. <laughs> You're going to get a talking to. Now, I told you, you should have done it. I, I'm going to be like that, okay? But anyway, heaven help me. So, you're going to get that shout. So you think about it today. If you're Super Bowl fans and you're out watching and shouting, well, whatever you shout for your team, you better shout for, the, for Jesus. The same amount. Amen? If you've been intimidated to shout and be crazy in your house, well, then I, I challenge you to break it. Let me say one more thing. I challenge you not to look down when you pray, but to look up. Because, see, we always want to draw in and pray. But I praise you to pray like that. Amen? Amen. Amen. Well, put your Bibles up. If you're out there watching on the broadcast or listening to this, this, this podcast, let me tell you something. Jesus loves you. He means you mean the world to him. He died on a cross for your sins and mine. He paid the price so that you and I could spend eternity in heaven with him. But you have to do something. You have to make him the Lord of your life. You have to do what Romans chapter 10 verse 9 says, confess with your mouth and believe in your heart. It's something that comes out of you that you believe Jesus is the, the, the way, the truth, and the life. That he's, he's the answer to, for all of your sin problem. And he will come into your life when you do that, and he will save you. For those of you out there listening, just call upon the name of Jesus. Call out to him and say, Jesus, come into my life. Touch me. Save me. I, wanna, I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Wash me in the blood of Jesus. Jesus, I want you to be my Savior. And right there, he will begin to touch you. For everyone in here, can y'all stand up and can I have some prayer team people come down, please? For those of you in here today, listen, if you don't know that you're right, with God, you're not 100% sure that if you die today, you'd go to heaven. Please, please don't walk out those doors. We have people up here that will pray with you. All you have to do is make the distance from your chair to them, and, and heaven can be yours.
If you're not sure, listen to me, folks. I'm telling you, I don't know. I cannot guarantee you what's going to happen. I can't guarantee the Russians are attacking. If we got Red Dawn, we got 1984 Red Dawn going on. I don't know. But I know this. I know a Jesus who died on the cross, who paid the price for us all, and he will save you, he will set you free, he will give you confidence, and he'll take you through whatever's coming up. He'll multiply your food, he'll multiply your joy, he'll multiply your peace, he'll multiply the mercy on your life. God will do amazing things for you. Because listen to me, the bad, as things get worse, signs and miracles get greater. And so if you're in here today and you're not sure that you're right with God, please come forward. As I dismiss the church, you can come up here and you can pray with them and they will lead you to Jesus. But I want to tell you something. You better get your shout on. Everybody say, I'm going to get my shout on. Look at the person beside you and say, get your shout on. Next week, I'll finish this. I'll give you the other three points. But I want to tell you something. You got it, church. You got it. You got it. You got it. Amen. So take that person's hand beside you and let me pray over you. Heavenly Father, I pray today that as we leave this, this, this building, we do not leave. We do not leave your presence. Lord, I just declare today that, Lord, you bless these people, that you put a shout of the king in their camp, Lord, that this message today has stirred them, has provoked them to get out of any apathy or getting out of any intimidation from the enemy, that, Lord, they run the coyotes out of their place, Lord, with the praises of God, that they begin to see the devil begins to flee and shake in his boots because of the, the, the word they got today becomes power and revelation to them. I thank you, Lord God, for blessing them. I thank you, Lord God, that today is a day that changes lives. That, Lord, today truly is a Super Bowl Sunday, but it's a super, super Sunday because we got closer to you. And so, Lord, bless them this day in Jesus' mighty name. Amen, amen, and amen. God bless you, church.